0: time this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom i'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart they've got passion for god they're leading intercession on their schools they're set apart consecrated under god and they've got a vision and a mission for their life how's everybody doing tonight well i guess it's not night it's afternoon y'all surviving all this praise and prayer and preaching You know what? It's good to be here at New Life Church. Let's give a big hand for the staff and the church here putting this conference on. Come on, that was very, very weak. Y'all can do better than that. Give it up. All right, who's alive in here this afternoon? You're alive. Verifiably alive. All right, good deal, good deal, good deal. Well, my name is Joel Stockstill, and I am here from the Bayou. Anybody ever been to the Bayou? A couple of y'all, a couple of y'all. It's the home of Cajun food, spicy food, and very, very hot weather. It's cold up here right now to me. I had to wear my jacket. I got outside today. It says 90 degrees. I said, I'm shivering. It's cold up here. I can't imagine when the snow is here, but it's good to be here this afternoon, and uh, I just appreciate the opportunity uh, from David and the Desperation guys, and we just give honor to Pastor Brady Boyd and the whole church here, and it's always an honor to preach the gospel. If you are ever blessed enough to preach the gospel, never forget that it is a great honor to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I have a word from the Lord for you this afternoon. I know you've been hearing a lot of great preaching and teaching, but I believe God has something for us this afternoon that's going to be important for your life. Before we do that, I have a couple of pictures that I brought with me. I want to share just real quickly with you my testimony because I don't want you to just think that I'm just a PK that got the mic because my daddy's got a big church. Uh, There's been a journey of faith for me. And whether you were raised in a pastor's home or you came out of the ghetto in the streets or whatever your background is, you're going to have to fight for your destiny. How many of you know that? You're going to have to fight for your destiny. And I've had to fight for my destiny. My my testimony is not a a bad family or bad background. My testimony is two bad kidneys. When I was 16 years old, my kidneys failed and I was placed on... Dialysis and a lot of you don't know what that is, so I wanted to put up a picture. If you put up that first picture, uh if you look, you can see that's a dialysis machine. I brought a picture for you. Uh and what you see in those little tubes is my blood. And it's going through that machine and it's being filtered so that I can be alive. And when I wanna put up the second picture uh that I brought. That right there is my arm yesterday morning hooked up to two needles where the blood was going out of my body and being filtered so that I could be alive to come here and preach the word of God to you. And every day that goes by that I'm able to preach the word is both a blessing and a sacrifice. So I take it serious when I have an opportunity to preach the gospel because it's taken a lot for me to be able to do that. Over the last 15 years, I've done 2,000 of those treatments right there. Three days a week hooked up to a machine for four hours at a time for my blood to be cleansed so that I can live and, and go forward and preach in preaching the gospel. So I want you to know a little bit about my background. And then I brought another picture for you. I wanted to put that up. And that is my new little niece, who is my darling niece, Evie James Stockstill, And she is the most beautiful baby in the planet. Everybody go, aw. Isn't she beautiful? Oh, man, y'all got it going on over here. I was like, oh, that was awesome. Well, it's good to meet some new friends. I'm so glad my friends Doug and Donna Lassett are here. And uh, they're planning a church in Denver. And they came up to see me. I'm so glad to see them and everybody else. Uh, I've got my brother James is here with me. James, stand up. Y'all give him a big hand. He is an awesome man of God and He came and he traveled with me. Well, how many of you have your Bible with you? Okay. Some of you. Good, good, good. Uh, I want you to turn over to Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. When you get there, say amen. Amen. All right. Now, when you get there, I want you to keep your finger there, your bookmark, and I want you to turn over to Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18. Is like, that's a book in the Bible? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's in the Old Testament. It's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel chapter 18. You probably never heard anybody read anything from Ezekiel 18, but you're going to hear it today. I'm going to read verse 23 and 24, and then we're going to pray. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. This is God talking. However, verse 24 if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten and they will die for their sins. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this wonderful opportunity to share with these thousands of young people who have gathered together to honor you and to be desperate for the person of Jesus. Lord, I thank you today that in the next time you're going to speak to them. I pray, Lord, that you're going to set them free from the powers of darkness and you're going to release them into the destiny that you have placed on their life. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me to speak your word and you would anoint them to receive your word. We bind the devil, the thief who would try to steal the Word of God, who would try to distract from the Word going forth and hinder what God would try to do in this time. And, Lord, we just thank you for everything you're going to do. We give you glory and praise. And everybody said, amen. Now, this is an interesting two verses here. He says, do you think that I like to see wicked people die? You know, God is saying, listen, I don't like seeing wicked people die. I want them to be made whole. I want them to be made righteous. I gave the sacrifice of my son. As we were just singing that song, boy, I love that song. As the blood and the water spilled out on the earth, as Jesus died of a broken heart for all of humanity, there was provision made that no one should perish, but that all would inherit eternal life. Jesus gave his life because God, he, he has so much love for every person that he's created, that he made provision through Christ. He said, do you think I want to see wicked people die? No. He said, of course not. He said, but also let me tell you something. He said, when righteous people turn from their righteous ways and begin to act like wicked people, then he said, you know what? They're going to die in their sins, and they're going to be judged. And maybe you're here today saying, duh, I know that, Joel. But you know what? This seems to me like, as I've been a youth pastor for seven or eight years now, the young people, they come to conference, they go to camp, and they get on fire. But after a few months, they go right back to Where they were before, sometimes even worse than they were before because their heart is more callous to the voice of the Holy Spirit than it was before they responded. And so one of the challenges of a youth pastor is not just for you to have an experience, but for you to have an eternal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, not for you just to come and lift your hands and and come to the altar. And then by October, you're doing the same things you were doing before the summertime. You're saying the same old things. You're talking the same way. You're acting the same way. You're hanging with the same old people. You're doing the same old things with your girlfriend that you were doing before. And so as you pastors, one of our greatest desires is to see that, that in October and November and December and January and February, that you're not only doing what you're doing now, but you're doing it even more radical than you are now. You know, when I heard about the theme of this conference, a decade, I thought, what a great theme, because you know what? Chances are, if 10 years from now, you're doing what you're doing right now and doing it even greater, you'll make it for the rest of your life. I look back into the 90s at those who were leaders and quote unquote on fire in my generation. And you know what? I can't hardly find a one of them that's even saved now. And for all their talk and for all their praising and worshiping and weeping and crying, they they didn't get it. So you know what, I began to ask the Lord, I, I'm a problem solver. I like to say, God, you know, it's not just good enough for us just to have great experiences. We love great experiences, but we got a problem here. And so the Lord, the Lord began to speak to me about two things that I believe are at the root of our problem. Two things that draw people out of this incredible experience that you've had and back into the world. And let's go over to the book of Romans, chapter 6, where I had you keep your finger, and we're gonna read a couple of verses from there, starting in verse 15. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Now, there's another, of course not. Here's God speaking again. Same God. Speaking through a different vessel by the same Holy Spirit. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free. Somebody say free. Free. Oh, say it louder. Say free. free. Turn to your neighbor and put your prophetic finger in their face. Say, you are free. You prophesying over them. All right, right back here, right back here. Verse 18. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living slaves to righteousness. Hey, oh, but I'm not a slave to anything. I'm, I'm free. I'm under great. No, you're either going to be a slave of sin or you're going to be a slave of righteousness. You're either going to choose to obey the world and the prince of this world or you're going to choose to obey the king and be a part of his kingdom. So either way, you're going to be a slave. You, that's what this says right here. I didn't make that up. I'm just telling you what the word of God said. It said, you're going to be a slave of sin are you going to be a slave of righteousness? Slave of sin leads to death. The devil's got all kind of things for you. Young lady, he's got premarital pregnancy in store for you. Young man, he's got a lifetime of addiction to lust ahead for you. He's got every kind of confusion in the world planned for you out there. He's got, I kissed a girl and I liked it out there for you. He's got the lie of homosexuality out there for you, young man. He said, oh, you were just made that way. No, you're not. He's a liar and the father of lies. And so the devil is going to do everything that he can to get you to be a slave of sin. And say, oh, there's nothing wrong with listening to secular music. That doesn't really affect me. Well, you're fooling yourself. It does affect you. Whatever you hear determines who you worship. And if you hear music that was spawned by the devil, you'll end up worshiping the devil. Oh, it's quiet in here right now. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, let's see how long you last. We're talking about a decade here. I came here today to help you end up... 2020 to look back and say I was at the desperation conference in 2010 and God got radically a hold of my life and I have never been the same that's right hallelujah so he said you're going to be a slave of something you're going to serve something Jesus said you can't serve two masters you'll love one and you'll hate the other When I hear the same young people who were all gung-ho and up front dancing and shouting six months later, I don't feel like going to church. Uh, We love one and we hate the other. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want, because they've come back under the subjection of the master, the slave master of this world. He's the Pharaoh of this earth. His name is Lucifer, known as Satan or Beelzebub. And he wants to master you. He wants to be a slave driver. He not only wants to hold you in bondage and steal, kill, and destroy your life. He wants to drag you to the lake of fire where he is inevitably going. Verse 19. Because of the weakness of your human nature. Uh Uh-oh, what's he saying? He's saying now, I know you want to obey the Lord. Everybody here, you want to obey God. That's why you're here. You want to obey God. But... There's this human nature that you've got. I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Now, here he gives us two words that he uses to describe why we're constantly being drawn back into sin. Now, you know, when, when I was young, when I got in trouble, and I got in trouble a lot. Anybody here get in trouble a lot? Yeah, that's, that's, I like people get in trouble a lot. It's the ones that never get in trouble I'm worried about. Everybody's got rebellion. It's just a matter of how open you're going to be with it. Solomon said, there's foolishness bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod will drive it far from him. Isn't that what it says? He doesn't say in some child, some people there's foolishness. Everybody's got foolishness. When I was young, I would get off in his stuff. You know, one time we we got loose with a Red Ryder BB gun and shot the neighbor's window and it crashed in and we lied about it and got busted, of course, and got in big trouble. And so my parents invited me to have a time out in our flower beds ministering to the weeds. Anybody in here ever been pulling weeds before? Yeah. Anybody enjoyed it? Was it fun? come on you know you like you don't like pulling weeds and so I had a I had a brilliant idea of how to kind of have a shortcut and that was I'm going to get the weed eater out (laughs) and I just mowed down all the weeds so after about 15 minutes. Me and my brother went back in. Weeding's all done. Mom said, it is. She yep. Yeah. it's all done. Go out there and see for yourself. She said, well, all right. She went out there to look. Sure enough, the weeds were gone. Well, about four days later, guess what? The weeds were back. Because when you cut the top of a weed off, all you've done is just delay its growth. If you don't get the roots out, you've not done anything. You think you did, but you really didn't do anything. And a lot of times the enemy is not concerned one bit with you having an experience if all that's happened is a spiritual weed eating in your flower bed. Because he knows that the roots of sin are still there. And if the roots of sin are still there, then it's just a matter of time before the same old things start popping back up. And you know what? There'll be nothing you can do about it. When those weeds begin to grow, when that sin begins to come back, when those issues that... You, you maybe had a little bit of temporary victory because you were in this type of environment and you're praying all night and, and you're in the presence of God and you're hearing the word of God and everybody's on fire and excited about Jesus and everything's great. But it's three months from now that we really find out whether roots have been removed or whether there was just a, a visible change, but there wasn't a real eternal change in your life. So a lot of you are probably like, man, I need to know how to get those roots. How many of you want to know how to pull the roots out? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to tell you whether you want me to or not. He says here two words. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness. Impurity and lawlessness impurity and law. Now, these two words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a different word that maybe you'll understand better. I'm going to use the word perversion and the word rebellion. Perversion and rebellion. And perversion and rebellion make up what I call the sin tooth. The sin tooth. I mean, you remember when You began losing your teeth. And you know, sometimes, anybody in here, we got any young kids in here? You might be losing your teeth right now. Anybody in here? You got a tooth coming. Oh, back here. We got somebody got a tooth coming. Okay. Man, you know, at first it's cool because you get money if the tooth fairy comes. Yeah, you put your tooth under the pillow and then you get a quarter. I don't know what it says. Somebody told me it says up to like $20 bill now. I'm just getting out of control. This recession is crazy. <laughs> tooth fairies having them, ante up $20 for a tooth. I mean, it was like a dime when I was young, of course I'm getting old now. So it's been a long time, but you know, at first it's cool. You lose a tooth and you, you know, you work on it, come out, and some teeth come out easy, but some don't want to come out. And so one time I remember I was just miserable. I couldn't get this one tooth out. And I went to my dad and said, Dad, how can I get this tooth out? He said, Son, let me tell you what you need to do. You take a piece of string, you tie it around your tooth, you tie it to the doorknob, and slam the door. And I promise you it'll come out. Well, I wasn't stupid. I didn't do that. That's a joke, by the way, anyway, just, just in case you didn't know, don't do that. Go home and say, one of the preachers in desperation told me to tie my tooth to the door and slam the door. They're going to say, what kind of conference is that? Now a tooth, if you know anything about a tooth, it's got two roots that go down deep and they fasten that tooth in there. And that That root is what keeps that tooth intact. And if you want to get that tooth out, you got to pull the roots out. The reason why I call it the sin tooth is because whenever we think about getting a tooth pulled out, we think about what? Pain. Pain. Because you know what? To get these two roots out of your life, it's going to be painful. Painful. I wish I could come in here today and give you a big powder puff message and get y'all hyped up and pumped up. That's not my anointing. Other people can do that. I came to bring pain today. Come on. Perversion and rebellion. Perversion. And rebellion. Every single one of you in here are going to have to defeat these two strongholds that have attached themselves to this generation. And they must be uprooted and cast out of your life for you to ever be truly done with sin. And to truly be a son or daughter of righteousness. The good news is, I don't just know the problem, I know the solution. Perversion, let's start there. He says impurity. Perversion. Perversion is something that begins to contaminate this generation from a very young age. By the time you're 10 years old, you've accidentally seen more sex scenes in movies, flipping television. You've seen all kinds of filthiness. By 15, pornography is rampant. It's everywhere, it's in stores, it's on TV, it's on the internet, it's in magazines, it's at the grocery store. Everywhere you go, there is filth, there is perversion. And though we are born with an innocence about us, it doesn't take long for perversion to work its way into our life and contaminate every part of our life. You know, I come from Louisiana where the oil spills going on and you know what, when the oil spill started, it was just a small thing and it was just affecting a small area. But now it's beginning to affect the whole Gulf coast. It's getting nasty and dolphins are washing up on the shore dead and beautiful beaches that we've gone to my whole life and enjoyed are being ruined and are being shut down and they're black with oil now and they're saying it could be 15 years before they're able to get them back to normal. In fact, people have already committed suicide because of the oil spill. One man who had a fishing business because of the oil spill has lost everything and took his life. Another young man was swimming and got caught up in the oil and he died because of the oil. So something that started out small is now taking over and it's destroying everything in its path. It's contaminating everything and it is destroying what was beautiful. This is a picture of perversion. It's the blackness that moves through the purity of your life, and it destroys it. It contaminates you, your thoughts, your worth, the way you interact with people of the opposite sex. You can't even look at a young lady in purity as a sister in Christ because you've been trained by Hollywood and VH1 and MTV. You're sexually charged in every part of your life, and because of that, you need deliverance. perversion. So what's the cure? What's the solution? The solution to perversion is deliverance. You need deliverance. You need that oppressive and sometimes even possessive spirit to be cast out of your life and off of your life by somebody who has the anointing that can destroy a yoke of bondage. deliverance you're going to need deliverance and you're going to need to press into deliverance it's your job to make sure that you get delivered that means you got to say god i want you to get inside of me and purge me and purify me and work inside of me and clean me up until the beaches of my life are free from the contamination of perversion Part of your deliverance is going to be you pressing into the things of God. Another part of your deliverance is going to be disconnecting from the things of the world. Young ladies, don't think you're going to go and watch Twilight and see a bunch of horny teenagers running around biting on each other as werewolves and vampires. And that you're not going to be overtaken by a spirit of perversion. I don't care if he's cute. The devil also comes as an angel of light. Young men, don't think you're going to sit around with your buddies talking about the private body parts of young ladies in your school and think you're going to get delivered from perversion. Oh, it's quiet in here. The guys liked it when I got the girls, but the girls are gracious to the guys. Typical. All the guy like, yeah, get the girls. Your deliverance is not going to be an easy one. It might be painful. Those of you who are young, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I'm going to give you the words of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. He said, above all, Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Boy, wouldn't it have been so much easier if there would have never been an oil spill than to have to clean it up? The best solution is never allow a spirit of perversion to come in. But unfortunately, for so many of you, even 10, 11, and 12 years old, you've already been contaminated by the filth of the world. And there's got to be a cleanup and there's got to be a abstaining from the things of this world. There's got to be a disconnect. There's got to be a purging. There's got to be a purifying. There's got to be a deliverance from a spirit of perversion. Paul said, this is why you keep going back into sin. This is why you keep getting back into the same old mess. This is why every year you have to come to the altar on the first night and get saved all over again and repent again and shed more tears. Is because you have not pulled out the root of perversion. And when we say that you should Push for purity and push for innocence and make it your highest priority to maintain your virginity. And if you've already lost it, when you get saved, to walk in abstinence until you find the mate that God has for you and come into covenant with with them. And the world tries to make that goofy and the world tries to make fun of that. And the world tries to say, you're missing out. But I'm here to tell you, all you're missing out on is divorce and heartbreak and STDs. The second root of the sin tooth, he says, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness. Lawlessness. I like to replace that word with the word rebellion. Lawlessness is what Lucifer had inside of him when he said, I will ascend above the throne of God. I will become. Like God. I'll be calling the shots from now on. I'll do what I want to do. I'm in charge. You know. If you want to defeat perversion. You got to get transparent. You better go to your youth pastor. Or you can go to your parents. You need to go to somebody who's mature. In the things of God. And say I'm struggling. In this area of perversion. Be honest. Be open. Transparency is the perversion killer. But when it comes to rebellion, we have to go to it. We have to resort to different tactics. Just as deliverance is needed to uproot perversion, discipleship is needed to combat rebellion. Because you know what? One spanking never cures a child from rebellion. It's a walk. It takes time. I wish we could have one altar call and you be free from rebellion, but it doesn't work that way. Time has to be taken to form your will and for your will to become broken before the Lord. Jesus said, fall on the rock and be broken or it will fall on you and crush you. You know, if a parent refuses to form the will of their child, the policeman will. Except instead of it being a spanking or punishment, it's sitting in a jail thinking about what you've done. It's being handcuffed and brought to a penitentiary, penitentiary so that you can think about how much you could have combated that at an earlier age. Rebellion. The Bible says that rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 tells us that we were born with rebellion in our heart. Perversion is something that comes in from the outside and contaminates us. But rebellion is something that we're born with. It's a lot more undercover. It tries to fly under the radar. It tries to say, you know what? I might listen to you now, but there's coming a day where I'm going to be free from you. It said, I might, I might obey you right now because I don't have anywhere to go and I can't take care of myself. But the day is coming where I'm not going to have to do anything that you say. That's rebellion. Rebellion. Rebellion is when your parents say, hey, make your room, and something inside of you says, I don't want to. Rebellion is when your parents tell you to take out the trash, and you don't do it because you're watching your favorite show, and you quote-unquote forgot. No, you didn't forgot. You just didn't want to do it and didn't do it. Rebellion. And that's where we need discipleship from our parents first and foremost. And thank God for godly parents. My parents loved me enough to whip my butt every day. Hallelujah. You know, we got a term, a scientific term for people who have gotten a whipping every day. It's a gluteus minimus. My dad broke so many paddles over my back end, ain't nothing left to this day. And you know what? I would rather get spanked every day and be the man that God has called me to be than fly under the radar and be a total disappointment and train wreck in my life because my will was never confronted. And rebellion is uprooted as the will is confronted. Parents, don't grow weary in correcting your children. Parents, don't fall prey to the customs and the trends of a pagan society that we find ourselves in that said, oh no, you can't spank your children. You know, one thing I I thank God for in Louisiana is not only can we spank our children, we can spank them in public and we can swap around and spank each other's children. (laughs) My grandfather was a colonel in the military and the Marines and he is a scary guy and I will never forget one time we were at his house and I was acting up and he asked my mother if he could have permission to spank me himself and that was a whipping I had never forgotten (laughs) I received a lot of memorable spankings and I received a lot more I don't remember, but I definitely needed. And you know what? Whenever I got spanked wrongly, it was just because it it, I didn't ever get mad about it because I knew there was a hundred times I didn't get spanked that I should have. There's rebellion in our heart. And so, you know, perversion can be in your heart. Rebellion can be in your heart. And they can lie dormant for a season. But it's only a matter of time before that weed begins to crop back up again. But you know what? Weeds don't just come back. They come back with friends. Jesus said they come back with seven more evil spirits than before. And you know what? Perversion and rebellion tag team. See? We get all these weird mixtures of sin and all kinds of filth and wickedness that begin to manifest when when perversion and rebellion begin to tag team with each other. What is homosexuality? It's number one, a perversion. It's wicked. But number two, it's a rebellion against the way that you were created and against the creator who formed you in the gender that you were meant to be. And it's saying, God, you blew it. I'm not who you made me to be. I'll be who I want to be. I don't like being a man, so I'm going to be a woman. I don't like being a woman, so I'm going to be a man. That's what it is. It's perversion and rebellion together, tag-teaming to produce an awful wickedness in your life. And you know what saddens me is the Christian world just floats right behind the gay agenda and anything that the world says. They would say, oh, I just love that Ellen show. Well, if you want to feed your life with a homosexual that is militant about her homosexuality every day and feed your spirit on that, that I guarantee you, you're not reading your Bible and spending time in the presence of God because anybody who loves Jesus is not somebody who follows after a homosexual. Oh, it's quiet in here right now. A friend of mine who is in the ministry... His wife, her dream was to fly to California and be on the Ellen Degenerate show. And I said, I don't understand that. I said, I don't want to be around anybody who glamorizes and glorifies a perversion and a rebellion against the Jesus that died for me. I want it out of my life and I don't want to be anywhere near it. And some people just want to play around with things. You know, well, it'd be like say, hey, we're just going to have a little oil spill. We're just going to spill a few million gallons of oil into the Gulf Coast. It's not going to really hurt anything. Let's just spill a few. No. I don't want a gallon of the devil's garbage in my life. I don't want a single weed of sin. I don't want to obey one inkling of wickedness. I want to be a slave of righteousness. What, what time is it? I can't see that clock. 25 I don't want anything in me that would grieve my Jesus. Let me tell you something. I've been to hell and back so many times I could be a tour guide. Three years ago, I lost my beautiful wife to cancer. I buried her. Fought nine months. and Next thing I know, the, the love and the joy of my life was taken from me. I know what it means to suffer. I know what it means to have pain in my life. I know what it means to want to get bitter at God and say, God, why have you allowed this? Maybe you were molested. Maybe you've grown up in a divorced family. Maybe life has dealt you what you think is a bad hand. Let me tell you something. We could get up here and go toe to toe about a bad life and I'll put you to shame. But you know what? That has nothing to do with the fact that Jesus laid down his life for me. That Jesus shed his blood. You know who didn't do anything? Jesus. You know who didn't deserve the cross? Jesus. You know who deserved the cross? Me. But he took my place. He paid a debt that I could not pay. He said, Joel, I'm going to lay down my life so that you can be free from perversion by my blood and by the power of my spirit. You can be set free from every unclean spirit and you can walk in holiness and purity before me. That's right. He said, I'm going to surrender my will And say, not my will, but your will be done. Even though I didn't do anything to deserve it. I'm going to go to this planet earth. And I'm going to live as a man. And I'm going to live without sin. And I'm going to lay down my life willingly. Because I want Joel to be able to defeat rebellion in his life. I want to be a slave of righteousness. A slave doesn't have any say so over their life. They don't say when they get up. They don't say when they go to sleep. They don't say when they eat. They don't say what they eat. They don't say what they like to do, what they don't like to do. They don't have a say-so in any area of their life, including who they marry. And if you're going to be a slave of righteousness, that means you don't get to do what you want until you want what he wants for you. That's what it means. It's a, well, I don't want to do this. Well, I don't like that. Guess what? Get a ladder and get over it. Because you're going to be a slave to something. And when you do what you want to do, you inevitably do what the devil wants you to do. See, that was the pact of Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit mankind came into alignment with Satan and not God. And only by the power of the cross and the renewing and leading of the Holy Spirit every day can we come into alignment with Jesus and him crucified every day of our life. I want to read verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do what was right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. Whew, I couldn't say it better myself. But now you're free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness And result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, Joel, how do I know when I've got those roots out of my life? Because you're going to go through intense pain. It's going to be painful. So I say, well, I don't like that. I think we just need to stick with joy, and, I'm like, and you're going to have joy because of the cross, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have to uproot wickedness. And you know what? People have fallen prey to thinking that we can just preach about positive, sweet little things, and everybody's going to be all right, and while our generation is going to hell. I'm telling you today what's worked in my life, and I've seen it work in the life of hundreds and thousands of young people. And you youth pastors and youth leaders and parents that are here, let me tell you something. You better get ready to cast the spirit of perversion off of your young people and it's going to be dirty it's going to be hard it's going to be foul it's going to take a lot of sweat it's going to take a lot of prayer it's going to take a lot of anointing but you're going to have to press in to the power of God that can set a young person free one at a time it doesn't happen in a big setting it happens one at a time one by one as they admit the hold of perversion in their life, and you pray and you fast and you seek God until that thing is broken over their life. And then you must make a commitment to disciple, to train, to mold, to confront, to correct to coach the will in every young person under your responsibility until they have become broken at the cross and know how to walk in brokenness before the Lord Jesus Christ. I've watched many youth pastors have Wednesday night service, have some lights, sing some songs, do a cool video, have some preaching, go home and lose a whole youth group. I had a great youth pastor in the 90s, but you know what? 90% of everybody in our youth group didn't even make it to 20 serving God because we didn't understand these things. And now that we do understand them, we're responsible for it. And you know what? God has enabled me to build a ministry, not because of my great preaching, not because of my brother's great worship, not because of a big budget, not because of a mega church, but because of setting young people free one at a time. I'm going to end with two stories. One. Of a young lady from Africa, her father was a prime minister. A coup came in, killed him. They fled for their life, and they lived in a barn for two years until they were able to slip across the border and make their way to America. Somehow they ended up at LSU in Baton Rouge, a family of eight, seven children and a mother. And the oldest of those children showed up at a service of mine eight years ago. She came from thousands of years of demon worship, of demonic possession. And every Thursday night, she came forward at the altar call. Not for salvation, but for deliverance. Because she knew she could not serve God long-term without deliverance. And the demons that had inhabited and controlled her family for thousands of years were, were confusing her mind and possessing her soul for 3 months she came every Thursday night up to the altar and we would pray and we would we would try to cast the devil out of her and we would pray and then we started fasting and we began praying and my armor bear he would pray i gave up several times he kept praying we prayed for 3 months for her deliverance and finally something snapped We knew it when it happened. There was a freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. But many times we have to press into that freedom. She got free. Amen. But that isn't the good part. The good part is this. She became full of the Holy Spirit. She began to be discipled by one of the young ladies in our youth group. And today, Doug, she has 500 girls under her who she has won to the Lord and discipled. She has 30 leaders that she's raised up, all because she got truly set free. And now she's married to a man of God and is pregnant with her first child. All of her brothers and sisters have been saved. Her family has been radically changed because one young lady pressed in to her deliverance. And it was in those days when I realized that I really didn't have the anointing to set somebody free. And I had to become somebody who sought after the anointing to be like Jesus and to cast out devils. 80% of the miracles documented by Jesus in the gospels with the casting out of a demon. And yet we have not even heard of that anymore in the church today. We try to psychoanalyze and counsel out demons. They don't come out. They love counseling. It just gives them more attention. A second story, a young man who came to me. I thought he was a girl, but he was a boy. He was a homosexual prostitute. He was 18 years old and had been a prostitute already for years. He was so damaged and battered and beaten down. Of course, he had no father. He was raised by women. He had been molested at an early age and been completely taken over by the spirit of perversion. We began to pray with him. We began to see the Lord began to move in his life. One day at a retreat, he came down to it. We began to pray. And this young man, was a, he, was, he was a good-looking boy. And he, he always was dressed nice. He smelled good. And yet, as we began to see this spirit come out of him, such a foul stench. Be- supernatural stench I'm going to call it came out of him to the point that no one could get within 10 feet of him because this unclean foul spirit of homosexuality was coming out of every pore of his body we're talking about the foul spirit of perversion that wants to take you captive it took an hour For that stench to lift. After an hour, he was totally set free from the spirit of homosexuality. That's right. But you know what? That was just the first victory. Because now he had to be taught how to be a man. Now he had to be discipled. Now he had to be loved. Now he had to be shown the way to become the man that God had called him to be. He came into our internship last year. He went through our internship. He became a man. His voice got low. He began to talk like a man. He began to look like a man. Now, I saw him the other night. He was at the altar weeping before the Lord you would never know the background that he came out of. And as I looked at that young man, with the love of God in my heart for him, I said, this is what a generation needs right here. And you know what? I know with all my heart, 10 years from now, he's called to the ministry. He has the anointing of an evangelist on him. And he wants these getting his education right now he's getting discipled he's growing he's becoming more and more every day the man that Jesus created him to be he's denied every lie of the enemy he's accepted the freedom of Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit and now he is becoming everything that God has called him to be He's got about 50 young men now that he's won to the Lord that he's working with in discipling. He's got a Peter, James, and John that he's working with to become leaders and are helping in his ministry. And I am releasing him as he is growing in his ministry. And I'm so proud of Brandon. Every time I see Brandon, something in my heart just is thrilled. But you know what? It took More. Than what we think it takes. And it's going to take more for you. You're going to have to learn how to walk the walk of the cross. You're going to have to learn how to get perversion out of your life. And how to get submitted to authority and become a disciple of Christ. And get rebellion thrown out of your life. So that sin becomes a non-issue for you. You say, Joel, do you believe that I could be in a place where I'm such a slave of righteousness that I don't even have to worry about sin anymore? I do. Just like I believe you can be married to one woman and not ever want to be with anybody else, but be so in love with her and so enraptured with her that there's nobody else. I believe that you can be married to Jesus, the heavenly bridegroom, and want nothing but him and never want to do anything that would cause him grief or reproach. I've been through so much with Jesus, there's no way I'm going to do something that's going to hurt him. I'm going to stay low. I'm going to bow, as that song said, I'm going to bow as low as I can. I'm going to stay as humble as I can. I'm going to stay as transparent as I can. I'm going to stay as submitted as I can. And I'm going to be a slave of righteousness for all the days of my life. And I'm not going to go back and forth in sin and in the church and on fire and cold and lukewarm. And with this group of friends, I'm one way. And with this group of friends, I'm another way. And when I'm with godly people, I'm godly and when I'm with unsaved people I'm a heathen no I'm going to be one way for the rest of my life everybody knows that song Hill song saying one way Jesus there's only one way for me it's the narrow way that leads to eternal life and few are they that find it but broad is the way That leads to destruction. And many are they which choose the easy way. That's what my Bible says. And for every religious spirit say, oh, it don't take all that. Well, you just go the easy way and see where it ends up. The sad thing is when you get there, it'll be too late to try the alternative. Many are they. In fact, I've got to read that verse as we close. I feel I must. Matthew 7. I don't want you to think I just made that up. Because it sounds good with my message. You can enter God's kingdom, Matthew seven thirteen, Only through the narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. If you get perversion and rebellion out of your life, you'll be the person God called you to be. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.